when I was 15, I won this contest through our local radio station to sing at Music Midtown, which is Atlanta's like biggest music festival. And there was like 50,000 people there. And so I had to go out and sing this song with them in front of all these people. I'd never sang in front of people ever Incredible. before. And um, from that point forward, it was like, I mean, how do you do how anything other than this? Yeah. <laughs> right? <laughs> Welcome to the Morse Code Podcast, where we talk with entrepreneurially-minded creatives in music, film, and writing. My name's Corby, and I'm hoping these conversations inspire you to push deeper into your own work, whether you're a full-time professional or just starting out on your own creative odyssey. Before we get to our next guest, the Morse Code Podcast is having its first ever live show to celebrate six months of being alive on planet Earth, Sunday, April 14th at the Five Spot here in East Nashville. We're going to have special guests and music. It's going to be amazing. Mark your calendars now, and we'll have more details for you soon. Okay, I'm really excited to share this conversation with singer-songwriter Lauren Morrow, who I first heard sing a few months ago at the Basement East as part of a tribute to the late, great John Prine. In a lineup that featured a kind of who's who of the East Nashville scene, Lauren just got up there accompanied only by an acoustic guitar and filled the room with pure feeling. If you guys know me, you know I love nothing more than a great song sung truly. I've been wanting to get Lauren on the podcast ever since. One of my favorite music-related subjects is the phenomenon of bands versus solo artists. There are a lot of great artists in Nashville, but not so many bands. That's partly due to the quantity of amazing players who themselves need to take whatever gigs available to stay afloat and move forward, but it also has something to do with the intrinsic fragility of bands themselves. Lauren knows a thing or two about that. As the former lead singer of Atlanta-based Americana group Whiskey Gentry, she made the choice to pursue a solo career, a decision cemented in her 2018 self-titled EP. She's since gone on to become a critically acclaimed songwriter and much beloved collaborator and voice in our East Nashville community. If you get something out of the Morse Code podcast, please like and subscribe. And now here's my conversation with Lauren Morrow. Lauren Morrow. Thank you so much for making time for me. Yes. I've been looking for forward me. to this for a while now. Thank you. Ever since I saw you perform, you and Jason performed at the John Prine Tribute. Yeah. Um, as part of the You've Got Gold Festival. Yeah. You were at a, I think that was pretty sold out situation there at the Basement East. Yeah. And um, I watched all those performers and I really loved your um, straightforward from the heart delivery of that song Thanks. and it cut i mean I, yeah. I thought it was a standout moment in the night Thank and i don't you. think i was alone and also there's just something <clears throat> uh, a big part of the music background that i come from we don't even know each other at all let's just right. establish that straight <laughs> out tell me about yourself <laughs> is that i really love great singing yeah. and simple instrumentation and great songs and it's just like kind of a less is more thing and i that, said thanks like you were telling me all those things <laughs> Thanks. Well, you shined in that situation. So I was like, I got to get that girl on the podcast. Oh, so well done. And I'm excited to get to know you more. And maybe I'll say that the kind of the impetus of this project, this podcast is to share with people that are on their own creative journeys, professional or otherwise, kind of what people who are actually doing it are doing and like what mm -hmm. that looks like, you know, yeah. in this case, from your perspective. Yeah. So, um, Maybe we'll keep that in mind, but yeah. just to kick it off, my understanding is that you moved here 
maybe seven years ago from Atlanta. Right. And my question to you is what prompted that, that sizable move, even though I yeah. know the cities are pretty close, but it's just like massive relocation. Plus you're just like, I'm plugging into a brand new community. Right. Um, well, it's funny because it goes back to that John Prine song um, in a lot of ways. Well, really in all ways. Um, so my, one of my best friends from high school works for Oh Boy Records, John's record label. Mm-hmm. And um, her name's Eileen. And she had moved up here um, a few years before, probably about five years before me. And um, I had this band called The Whiskey Gentry in Atlanta. My husband and I had it. We were active for like over a decade. And we, you know, felt like we were doing all the right things. Like we were, you know, trying to do everything that we could to kind of get out there. We toured all the time. We did everything. You were um, all yeah. And it just kind of seemed like, you know, like, why wouldn't we get this press from this magazine or what, whatever? And I'd call Eileen and I'd be crying and I'd be like, I don't get it. And she would always be like, you need to move to Nashville. And I'd be like, no, never. It's not a sellout. You know, like just had this like really like kind of. disoriented idea of like what it would be like here yeah and um so she invited jason and i to come up and do a benefit concert that oh boy was um putting together for jesse zazu Mm. who was battling uh i believe it was cervical cancer Mm -hmm. and much loved member of our community yeah and she was still you know with us at the time and she was there and there was you know it was everybody from jason isbell to Corey brandon to um, Elizabeth Cook and, you know, all these people. And, and, um, so we came up the day before and we did like a WSM interview and got to know like Kelsey Walden and just like everyone was so kind and welcoming. And then that night when we performed, we did Far From Me and which is my favorite John Prine song. Mm -hmm. And when we got off the stage, you know, people would be like, so where do you live? And we'd say Atlanta and, and they would be like, why don't you live here? And we'd be like, I don't know. And so that night we were laying in bed in Eileen's guest bed and Jason was like, do you want to move to Nashville? And I was like, I do. And I always did. Like when I was younger, I would come up here when I was like 21 and we'd go to Broadway, like before Broadway was absolutely what it is now, you know, like you could still smoke inside at Roberts and like it was still kind of shitty. But anyway, so he said, you know, do you want to move? And I was like, yep. And then within a month and a half, we moved and we packed wow. up everything and we rented a house over um, by Shelby Park. And it was such a like amazing, almost like seamless transition because all the years that we had Whiskey Gentry, we had met a lot of people. And so we had a lot of friends who lived here already. And but just the community like really embraced us and it was amazing. Mm-hmm. Like it just didn't feel like, I don't know. It didn't feel like heartbreaking. You weren't, you weren't cracking into a new community as much as you thought you were. Exactly. And everybody was just so like, you know, what's different. What I always talk about is how, you know, here it feels like we're all on this like journey together. And there's so many people that you can like talk to about like, you know, the good things and then also commiserate with through the bad things and people understand it and we're here to lift each other up. Whereas I felt like there was more of this um, competitive like angle in Atlanta sometimes maybe because I don't know why. I don't know if it was just there was maybe less to go around or like or what, but 
the women that I'm friends with here, like all the female singers that I know here, it's like so inspiring to me. Like, and you know, I, I don't know. It's just such a special place, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. I wonder if that's partly an aspect of the, the East Nashville community, you know, where there right. is more of a collaborative spirit here. Right. I say this as somebody who lives here and, you know, loves it and champions it at right. every turn. Um, so I might have a skewed perspective, but you know, I moved here, um, almost 20 years ago now from Seattle and didn't really know anybody and kind of had to find my people because I really didn't know. But um, I think that's something that we might share is that um, maybe this instinct, and I'm I'm just kind of hazarding, offering a theory for why you were a little bit slow to move here, but this instinct for kind of coming from somewhere you know, like you were from yeah. Atlanta, born and raised. And so that's like, that's, that's an identity. And yes. I think there's a lot of value in that. Yeah. Um, I, I know that um, I'm, about to, I'm about to bag on, on Belmont here, Kyle, brace yourself. Um, <laughs> I, I think that if you move too early to Nashville before yeah. you've kind of had some time to figure out what you like sort of apart from the market, um, you, you run the risk of like kind of not knowing what you like. You start to just really? notice really quickly what's selling and then you, instinctively chase that um so maybe it served you well i think so i don't think i we talk about that a lot like i don't think that there was a better time to have done it you know Mm -hmm. like after we had put in you know all these years and miles being in a band and recording records and you know just kind of had that experience and we didn't expect anything out of it i feel like sometimes i've seen people since we've been here that have kind of move and then they get their ass handed to them sometimes because maybe they're like I don't know like wanting something more out of it rather than just like supporting your people around you and supporting the community and going to shows and doing all that and then just existing with your peers and just seeing what happens you Mm -hmm. know and not like um I don't know, you know, trying too hard, I guess. Like we already had our identity. We already had the stuff. I mean, we did rebrand to my name when we moved, but Mm -hmm. like, I think I still, we still had the experience of it rather than being like 21 and kind of not knowing Mm -hmm. who I was. Yeah. Talk to me about uh, those early influences. Like what, um, I want to know two things. One is like, what drew you into music? And then um, what were some standout artists or do you have like a story that you can think of or you were like, whoa, and the lights came on? Yeah, I definitely. Um, so when I was growing up, I mean, we always had music around. Um, none of my immediate family plays music, um, but I was always like kind of drawn to like playing piano and took piano lessons, but then got my first guitar when I was 15 and tried to take guitar lessons, but I hated my teacher. And so I was like, I'm just going to get on tabs.com and just like learn Wonderwall and Mm. just do it myself, you know? And, um, but I loved and still do love, I'm a huge like new wave fan. I love like dark way, like Depeche Mode or, you know, or New Order, things like that. My favorite band is U2. I have been a U2 fan since I was a small child Mm -hmm. and get made fun of constantly for it sometimes like by people. Or what was the what was the my favorite no my out. desert island record of all time is octung baby mm. um and again you know they get a little darker and it's got like the fly on it yes it, yeah it's right after joshua tree oh yeah i mean like and listen we could turn this whole hour into a youtube podcast so let's not even go there i get so excited to talk about that record but um 
but then when I got into high school, um, I started listening, you know, I listened to all kinds of stuff, but really like a lot of like, you know, rock and I loved um, this band in Atlanta called Marvelous Three that Butch Walker, um, who lives here now, but he was the frontman of that mm. that band. And so when I was 15, I won this contest through our local radio station to sing with them at Music Midtown, which is Atlanta's like biggest music festival. And there was like 50,000 people there. And so I had to go out and sing this song with them in front of all these people. I'd never sang in front of people ever Incredible. before. And um, did it, and it from that moment on, like just I was like, well, this is it. Like you know, I'd already kind of started playing guitar a little bit and started writing some stuff, but from that point forward, it was like, I mean, how do you do how anything other than this? Be, yeah, <laughs> right. You know, you see like, these people. Yeah, and they're like, what? They're you into know? it. Yeah, you're hearing yourself all loud. <clears throat> oh my yeah. god, it's so intoxicating. It is, and it was like you know, I feel like um, it, it's funny because uh, Marvelous Three just did a reunion tour, and I got to go sing that same song with them at the Tabernacle in Atlanta, mm. which was like where I first saw them play. And I have a tattoo of the Tabernacle took you know that I got when I was 18 to remind me to like follow your dreams, but like it it was really such a i mean that was like the moment you know and then like got home and started trying to write and the early stuff's terrible no it's unlistenable yeah. oh god um but yeah i mean that was kind of the thing and and then just learning more going back through a bunch of different you know songs and genres and figuring out and then the other big marker is when I moved, I moved to Newcastle, England when I was uh, 19. And when I moved there, like I was always so shy about singing in front of people. And um, I, I would not share my songs with people. And then mm. when I moved there, it was interesting because I didn't know anybody and they didn't have any preconceived notion of me mm -hmm. to be like, well, Lord, you know, like. Who do you think you are? Yeah, like yeah. I just like kind of was like, okay. And I played my first show there. And then that was the second marker of like being like, okay, like you can play your own music in front of people and they enjoy it. And yeah. then and then it was just all downhill. Yeah, that. I love that. Um, I the the value of moving to a new community and starting over is, I think, um, not talked about enough. Yeah. It's for burgeoning artists. I know that for me, I've had two like hard resets. One was I grew up in a little town in Idaho, mm -hmm. and I had a high school band, and I have strong vibes with the new wave movement you're talking about because my first yeah. big band was the cure oh i was basically God. in a cure cover my band today, oh my god but I, I wore depeche red instead that's a, that's a near miss but <laughs> acceptable um oh man like i know yeah. people don't love violator but that record is just so good what? the songwriting Who doesn't like i don't know they don't think of like violator is like oh, the depeche man. mode record god i do because they were so huge yeah. at that time yeah. and personal no, jesus was like just, such a smash but um yeah. i love that that music and um and then when I moved, I was like, like you, I had, although on a much smaller scale, I had a very formative experience when I was like a junior in high school where this, like we were kind of a serious band for a small town, Idaho kids who didn't know what the hell. Um, and the school hosted like a battle of the bands right. and the, there was a 10th grade band. Um, I can't remember who they were. And then there was our band, the 11th grade. And then the 12th grade band, they were like kind of a money, money type of cover band, but they were all mm -hmm. like the partiers and the coolest kids in town. Right. And it got to us, our turn. And it was like, 
I don't know what else to say, but we destroyed that fucking gym. And like <laughs> girls, like girls who had never talked to me in, in school were like losing their right, minds. Right. Like, and I, honestly, it was because it was the, probably like, the first concert they'd ever saw. I was so totally. I was like, there's, there was these hot this twins, Margaret and uh, the Rice twins. We called them. And they were like hot. Right. And they, they were like sandwiching me on stage. I was like, oh, my God. This is like the greatest moment of my life. Never do anything else. I've never do anything else. I was. Yeah from that on that I was goner right. and um and then so that was that was what I grew up with then I moved to Bellingham Washington where I lived for about 10 years and I had a bluegrass band and that was another like reset because nobody right. knew me from my youth right. and I was just like a new guy and then the third time was when I moved here right. and I really have felt that the things that were what I love about Nashville one of the things I really love about living here is that you don't have to f- apologize Mm-hmm. for for your ambition for you're just trying to do something totally. at the highest level right and i think that there was in my past in my other towns you know there was like people was like don't take it too seriously you know <laughs> like right i we, I, just, I get it we were just talking about this last night that that's kind of like when i go back to atlanta sometimes it's like you know like well how's your how's your band how's your little band yeah, going you know whatever and it's just kind of like this is my career like you know like this is what like you know i really don't do anything else other than this and i don't have to apologize for it or or kind of feel sometimes i would feel almost embarrassed like i was stupid like for you know like here she is 38 just still following her dreams you know like when you gotta hang it up have kids or whatever and it's like here no one even no asks. One even no asks. one cares. Right. We're all in it together. And I mean, that is a huge part of like why I'm doing this is because I take it for granted a little bit, having lived here for a long time right. that, um, and I do notice it when I go home and stuff, I still, my mom is still just like, so, so no, what you no grad school. <laughs> I'm like, mom, I'm 47 years old. Uh, but yeah, here you don't have to. And um, I think that there is, are a lot of people that feel maybe on their whatever level they're at um they some need to apologize mm-hmm. for daring to be an artist to dare mm-hmm. for reaching forward into the unknown and making something beautiful be, just because and seeing what happens with that right. and um i love like i love this be, um like hearing from you uh, because it just underscores that it is possible to make art with your life yeah and and why if you feel a calling to do it God, do it. I don't think that there's any other option for me. (laughs) You know, it's like Jason and I talk about my husband and we talk about it all the time. Like, you know, we follow those like cheap Nordic houses or cheap, you know, cottages or whatever. And we like see these properties that are like so cheap. And we're like, what if we just like left, sell our house here? We just like moved to Norway, (laughs) you know, like and just like check out check out like stop hustling <laughs> stop doing this like race of like and all of the emotional the the which i'm sure we'll probably get into but just like the how you're so emotionally tied to your creativity and and your worth and money and feeling all of those things and just say like i'm done have a bunch of goats or whatever but i could never do that mm-hmm. like i can't ever like you know what i mean it's something that's always in my brain i think it's always been in my brain since i was a kid mm-hmm. so like how do you ever like walk away from your creativity and like yeah. the thing that makes you literally the most happy absolutely and the most sad Other, exactly <laughs> Um, I, you know, I think that it's like sort of the difference between a dream and a calling. Um, that's something I 
think about a lot or um, I that's motivated me and helped me kind of clarify what I'm doing because like you, it's, there's just no way. Like I, yeah. there's no way I can do anything. I've worked other jobs for right. sure to get by, but they were always like the thing that required the least amount of, of intellectual and mm-hmm. <laughs> power. Right. Um, so that I could be thinking about, like I parked cars for like three years downtown in Nashville when right. I first moved here. And it was actually kind of an ideal situation because I'm sort of a daydreamer at heart and I had all kinds of time to day- daydream. Uh-huh. You just didn't have to, the right. only rule is don't crash the cars. Cause you're just like checked out. So you yeah, you're just, and it was great. It, like that yeah. was uh, a, a really nice, like, whereas if I would have gone like, nah, maybe I should sell real estate or do something that makes money. Then you can't just seal, sell real estate. That's like, right a whole thing that's a constant that's actually another hustle it's just maybe more lucrative and um less soul fulfilling (laughs) exactly so make uh, more money um also maybe not be as happy yeah yeah and and i've like living here you know when i was in my 20s and stuff everyone was still trying to like do it for reals but you know people drop off because mm-hmm. whatever they have kids or they <laughs> come to their senses yeah. or whatever. So I've yeah. had lots of friends kind of veer off into the um, realtor world. Yeah, so no, yeah. Yeah, no, no harm, no I mean, That was like what happened really with, with whiskey gentry was that, I mean, we were kind of like a bluegrass band with bass and drums and he had a lot of us in there like banjo, fiddle, you know, mandolin and all this stuff. And mm-hmm. they kind of, you know, they get married and they had children and houses and careers and all mm-hmm. that, you know, and I have a lot of respect for that, like that, you know, and they'll still play music and, you know, some of the guys, but like, it's just not, it's, it, it wasn't what J- I knew that Jason and I were ever going to be able to do. Yeah. You know, I, I, I just, I know how he is too. He's the same way. Like he can't work. He can work any job where it's not going to occupy all of the time and thought, mm-hmm. you know, because he's also a very creative person, mm-hmm. you know, so. Uh, 100%. Um, let's let's play one before we go any farther. Sure. And what are we going to play? Uh, I'm going to play Only Nice When I'm High, okay. which was the first song that we released off of People Talk. Um, and uh, I think like. I was scared to kind of put it out because the subject matter, you know, but then I was like, screw it. Like, I smoke weed. It helps me with my anxiety. So it's like people, I don't know, you know. Deal with it, people. Deal with it. Like everybody else on the planet that does it. Like your dad's doing it in the garage, sneaking it from you. Like, you know, it's just like, but really it's it's more about like just kind of um, needing something to help me get out of my own way, mm-hmm. you know, and for a long time. I don't drink anymore, but it was alcohol. Mm-hmm. And now I just smoke weed. Let's let it rip. Yeah. Bong rip. <laughs> <laughs> what?
socks and your shoes And everywhere I go I feel like I have to choose Between putting on a big shore hiding There's no good reason for me to hold back Be the first to defend or be the first to attack I'm doing all I can not to come unglued So I can be a fun girl too that idea of the band and um, kind of going, going apart There's two mm-hmm. thoughts I have. And one is that, was that one of the things that led you guys to sort of revisit this idea of moving away from your community is like this feeling like, okay, some of us aren't as committed as Jason and I, yeah. and maybe that is a sign that um, I, that yes. was, um, that's one yeah. thought. And the other thought is, I just want to say for a second, like, let's just remember the bands. Because <laughs> that is one thing I do miss about Nashville is there aren't really very many proper bands and they're fewer than there even used to be. Yeah. And I think that's a lot. Um, w- one of the ca- main casualties of sort of the new quote unquote music model, yeah. which is like impoverishing already impoverished artists. Right. It's like if you're a solo person, and you have some sort of um, viable touring option, you can s- maybe sustain yourself. Yeah. But if you're a band, I don't know. Yeah. You know, it's just not going to be easy for y- you guys. No. And I mean, I have a lot of thoughts on that. Yes. So M- Whiskey Gentry, like I sometimes will think about like all those years with them and like just be moved to tears because we were a band like Mm -hmm. that was those are like 
I would, you know, take a bullet for those dudes. Mm -hmm. And we did so much together. It's such a incredible time in my life that it was just so exciting and just like everything was just, it was amazing. And yes, I mean, there was, a, it, there came a time when it was like, okay, like it did feel like there was this shift in this commitment. And, it, and it's not like, I don't say it like commitment as in like, I can't believe you're not committing yourself fully to this band when you've got children to feed. Like yeah. it was like just this shift where, like I said, like we, Jason and I knew that like, we weren't going to go that direction. And mm -hmm. we were already like fronting, you know, financially everything. Mm -hmm. And, and it just, it was just getting more, I think more difficult even still too, to like, um, tour, obviously mm -hmm. to have seven or eight people on tour, forget about it. Mm -hmm. Um, so we would tour as like a five piece, but then what ended up happening creatively with the songs, I think, is that because we were touring as like a five piece, basically like a rock band with a fiddle, the songs started to shift away from like this kind of like bluegrass angle and more to like maybe they're more of like an alternative rock or indie kind of leaning direction, which is where I was feeling like in my heart I wanted to go. Mm. Um, and so, you know, there's a there's a bunch of things there. My dream is to be like Cheryl Crow one day where I can have my band again. Like, and those are my guys that mm -hmm. like, you know, Audley Freed is playing guitar for Cheryl Crow. That's her band, mm -hmm. you know, like that's her, her guitar player, Peter Stroud. Like, I would love that. But, you know, like until I can get to the point where I can hold someone, like get them on salary, like, I don't know how that's possible, mm -hmm. you know? So I have people here that I will, they're always like my first call because they feel the closest to me in my heart as like my bandmates, mm -hmm. but they also have to do what they have to do to make money. So mm -hmm. if they get a call and they need to go out with some so-and-so, like they've got to do it. And I want them to. For sure. You know? Um, but yeah, it's hard. I know. And it's, and yeah, and we're coming up on like the, the sixth anniversary of the final Whiskey Gentry show. We always did a Christmas show mm. in Atlanta. And like that last show, I mean, it was so emotional. Like we knew I'm we're sure. like, we're not gonna play together anymore. Like this is it. Like Lauren, I'm gonna go do this other thing. And yeah, it's just always like so. Was tough, it a, you know? it was like a full stop? You guys mm -hmm. haven't played any sort of reunion no, or anything no. gigs. I mean, we've talked about like whether or not we'd want to like get together and like maybe do something in Atlanta, you know? But like, I think even just the 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 culture around music in Atlanta, I think has shifted too. some, you know, where I just don't even know, like sometimes like, I'm like, who would even come see us if we reformed again? Let's talk you about know? that because I, I'm just curious from the outside, I I never really cracked Atlanta or maybe just say, I'll say yeah. yet. Um, I yeah. played Eddie's a bunch of times. Right. And um, so, the, but like what's going on in Atlanta? There's there's Eddie's, there's the city winery. Yeah. Smith's old, Smith's old bar, bar is still, still there. rocking. Yeah, Variety Playhouse, mm -hmm. I mean, They've got a really great room now called the Eastern that's like over um, near Cabbage Town, Reynolds Town, like where Jason and I used to live. Mm. Um, you know, but it's I think it's just kind of the way that a lot of maybe major markets are going where if you're you're bought by Live Nation or AEG or like one of those big buyers, like the small guys like me, like we don't have a ton of options. So it's mm -hmm. like we do the same ones like Eddie's has been great for us. But, um, you know, we were able to before whiskey gentry um disbanded like we would do variety playhouse which is now i think booked by one of the bigger um 
national booking companies, but I don't know, but it it's just different. And mm. Atlanta is a tough nut to crack. I also just think there's so much going on all the time. You've totally. also got traffic that's gonna just like totally, totally screw you. If you live five miles that direction, like I'm not coming to your show because it's gonna take me an hour to get there. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, so I don't know. It's, I, and I can't speak to it enough having not really been there that much over the last six years, but every time I go there and tour, it just feels different. Mm-hmm. But I also think that a lot of our fan base from Whiskey Gentry and all of that, they're all different too. Mm-hmm. They've all got kids. They've got things. It's like we can't come rage and black out on a Thursday night anymore. Yeah, uh, totally. <laughs> I, I, you know, there was, a, there was a time in my life um, where I was touring a lot, maybe like 100 to 150 shows a year, like just constantly. And, um, you know, I was probably mid mid late thirties then. And I was kind of just like, man, everybody here is 50. Not that there's anything mm-hmm. wrong with being 50 or older. Um, but I, you know, I was like, I want to play for like, you know, young people. But, uh, I realized really quickly, um, that there's really two concert going populations. And one is you're in your mid to early twenties and you have like the wherewithal and the free time and the lack of commitments to go out and party Mm -hmm. basically. And then you get married and have kids. And then there's 20 years where you're just dealing with your family and you go out to two concerts a year and they're like legacy bands at at the Bridgestone. Right. And, um, and then you're 50 again. You're like, Oh cool. Yeah. Let's go out and see music again. Yeah. But there's a 20 year gap and from 30 to 50 where it's just like, that's not realistic. You know, you really aren't going to get a lot of 30 somethings to come to your show unless you're in East Nashville and playing for your friends. Right. Um, so that's I don't know that the music that I make is necessarily geared towards those 20 year olds either. Yeah, you know, like no. it's like you sometimes I like look at like TikTok stuff and I'm like, dear God, like I don't, you know, I think Adele even said something too, like, and when she released her last record, she was like, I'm, I'm not making music for children. Like I'm yeah. making music that I want to make. And yeah. I think somebody made some comment. I, I can't really remember what it was, but I think that's I probably like that's pretty me. wise coming from from her. Anyone and yeah. um, I have this, she's like, doing okay. She's doing fine. So, Maybe yeah. she, I'm not going to worry too much about right. old Adele. Right. Um, I have this like song that I've been like wanting to write, and it's something about like it's us, it's us against the kids. <laughs> <laughs> the impetus of that song is just like I get sick of older folks trying to like emulate and um, chase and ape yeah. young kids. Right. It's like you know what? It's way better to be right. my age than to be twenty five. I like it a lot. I agree. I I'm mean, I'm wiser. I'm richer. I'm right. my life is my my life is more complicated more in a mentally way. Mentally stable. Yeah. Like. <laughs> Barely could say that. Right, yeah. Me, personally. Kind of. But uh, maybe it's just that I figured out how to get help for my mental instability. <laughs> yes. You know? Like, right. Not just like raw dogging my 20s. <laughs> like, I guess I'll just drink more, you know, like yeah. more drugs. I don't know. Um, mm. Yeah. I, I will like kind of going back to Depeche Mode. I, I have so much like I went and saw them twice within a week at, at a, once in Atlanta and then once here, which I've never done that for a, a band in an arena. Mm. Like. And they were just so good. And what, what I kept taking away from it is I was like, they're not trying to, you know, in their late 50s, early 60s, try to be a TikTok band. Like mm-hmm. they still create music that is who they are. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't matter. You know, they're not, you know what I mean? And yeah. sometimes it's so uncomfortable for me to see people like 
you know, artists that are older to try and do that thing. Yeah. You too's done that sometimes where I'm just like, guys, come on. Like, yeah. You know, like I'm all for like, you know, like if you creatively are like whatever, but sometimes you can just feel Coldplay. Yeah. I love Coldplay, but like this new stuff that Coldplay, I'm like, kind it's of like, like chasing Dun. relevance. Yeah. Yeah. Changing. Chris Martin, times. I love you if you see this. <laughs> You're always my favorite. <laughs> well, so um, tell me about your participation in social media and how how you grapple with that, the obligation to do it, or maybe a refusal to do it, or striking a boundary. Yeah. How do you um, engage? Do you are you on TikTok? I am, but I don't have really anything on there. Yeah. I did like um, last year. We went on tour. We were gone like like 160 days or something with this guy Corblund, who's a um, incredible. Um, a singer and Canadian. songwriter from Canada, yeah. yeah. And he's just the real deal, like real deal. <laughs> Hello? Um, he's like the real deal cowboy. He grew up, you know, on ranches. I mean, he's amazing. Mm. His band's amazing. We became so close with them. And I was mm. like, you know, I'm going to, it's just Jason and I. And we had like modded out our 15 passenger van to have a bed in the back. Like he built cool. me a closet in there. Like I was like, I'm going to document this and do like a tour diary. And so I did. And you know, not really thinking that the first leg of this tour was like six weeks and I was trying to do it every day. Mm -hmm. And so then by the end of it, I started just doing chunks of time. Like it was like this week on tour, you know, cause it's kind of the same shit all the time, yeah. right? You know, like, oh, here's Loda and here's the screen room, yeah. blah, blah, blah. But like, so I did kind of get into it then, but then I just, it it feels like so much work. Like, mm -hmm. and I don't, I mean, it sound like a aging millennial, but I'm just like, God, like, all of the social media that I feel like this pressure to like keep up with. And mm -hmm. like, I've had people like on my team that were like, when this last record came out in March, like, well, like, what about your TikTok? And I'm like, what about it? I hate it. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, and I'm kind of like, I'm not very good at it. I don't know. Like, mm -hmm. and, and it's, it's frustrating. I like, you know, Instagram for what it is, but like, I don't even know at some point with the algorithms, like all of the pressure that we put on ourselves to have to constantly be on the algorithm, if that's even reaching my fans anyway. Yeah. I don't know. Like, do you know what I mean? Like, it's I just do. like, I, I'm like, am I just like pissing in the wind here? Because I don't really like, I throw out, you know, like this show that I've got coming up and it's like, it gets 40 likes, but then like I'll post a picture of like, me doing some dumb face and it's like 450 you know yeah. like i'm like what i don't get it yeah um i mean i can relate to that a lot and i'm i'm kind of past that in my life in a way where i've just um th and there was like a lot of heartbreak there where i sort of you know, um was chasing my version of what i thought a successful music career was for 20 years mm -hmm. and like hundred percent in number one priority number number priorities one through five we're all mm -hmm. get get big with music mm -hmm. and um and then as you know i i was also like i'm a little older than you and so i like i hit you know i was like 23 i think when napster hit and just like destroyed the music business and then there's like kind of 10 years while people were figuring out what to do and then myspace comes along it's like okay i can do that and then it's just like the encroachment of social 
social media platforms on the creative entrepreneurial lifestyle just is like relentless and ever expanding and um it's kind of like being boiled in slow (laughs) slow motion you know (laughs) like you wake up and all of a sudden there's like seven apps we're supposed to compete right uh, keep up i gotta keep all this going and yeah i mean it's exhausting yeah and in 2021 i put out a record um that I'm really proud of is great record. And um, obviously we wasn't doing a lot of touring or this mm-hmm. is a 2020, 20, yeah, made it yeah. in 2020, released it in early 2021. Um, and, you know, I was as a self uh, DIY through and through guy, you know, it was like on watching YouTube videos on like how to maximize your impact on Spotify. Mm-hmm. And basically it was just like post every single day for 30 days, you know, some version of your song rehash it up and, right. and I, I just was kind of, I kind of like had a come to Jesus moment with myself and I'm like self at the end of the day the way that you spend the time your your time is sort of up to you and you can you know you're going to bear the consequences of that one way or another and I'm like I don't want to live on my phone I don't want to do it I, I don't like doing it I don't yeah. like I don't like the anxiety that comes with it um I'll and ever since then I kind of was like I relinquish I accept the consequences for that is knowing that there are a lot of much younger people, most likely that are willing to participate in it, that are prettier, that are, you know, quicker and they're going to, and like, like that's, that's the, I can't win at that game. So I'm going to be done. I like, and it's been, you know, I'm also, thankfully I have these other interests and I got um, much more involved in filmmaking then. And um, I'm a writer in my, brain and kind of my probably yeah. my per- basic personality and so i found myself sort of um not retreating but pivoting into uh creative outlets that didn't r- require a relentless and constant public appearance yeah and that has served me very well yeah i mean i think it's <clears throat> like it, it's there's so much of that pressure to do it and then you know, at least my personal experience is that then when I do it, I become addicted to the like the likes and the comments. Totally, and all the of dope that. hits that come yes. with it. Yeah. So then, like, then I'm stuck in a doom scroll for mm-hmm. hours. Mm-hmm. I'm not connecting with what's around me. I'm sitting there literally on my phone with you know my husband sitting next to me, probably on his phone too, because we're both like the same dopamine weirdos that are like I mean, everyone ding, is. Ding ding ding. You yeah. know, and like. And it sucks. We we just watched this episode of Black Mirror the other day that is about this mm-hmm. same thing and just, you know, how the, the the social media companies know what they're doing, you know, like they they know that they're getting us addicted to it, you know, but I told I, I did tell Jason, I was like, I think I want to like take a a break in January and he's like but like what about your career mm-hmm. and I was like <laughs> all right record label husband fails in 30 days right he's like my tiger mom I'm like if my career fails in 30 days social media break then like I I'm I'm done I'm moving to Norway yeah there we go bye yeah. <laughs> so I don't know let's play another one okay what's it gonna be um I'm going to play hustle next cool. which is uh a song that I wrote not very long after we had moved to Nashville. Um, Cause every once in a while I have these like existential freakouts where I need, where I'm like, I, I quit, I'm gonna go work a job, like a nine to five. And then whenever I attempt to do that, I can't because I hate that reality. So hustle is just like, I mean, everything that we have to do, it's like Jason and I have a painting company. Well, I was cleaning houses for a while, like whatever you have to do to get by so you can play music is 
essentially what that is. Can't wait. All the things. <laughs> okay, with <rip> one. <laughs> Everyone could read it says I'm looking for a J-O-B Cause the dream I'm living keeps taking from my pockets Ain't paying what I thought it'd be Well that's the cost of being my own boss Don't you know I love it So when a call comes in that says hey you're hired I'll tell them where they can shove it You got a H-U-S T-L-E, you gotta hustle, baby, just like me. A bartender or teacher or television preacher, you're just trying to make your ends meet. There may be a time when my name's in lights. It won't stop there, you'll see. I'll be working till I'm dead, cause that's the way I'm bred. Hustle, baby, just like me. harder by the minute and I guess I know they're right cause I've been playing for tips down on the Broadway strip every other Sunday night I ain't saying I'm the first and I won't be the last to run out of my door but like Jay-Z said it ain't where I've been I swear I'm about to go top of the world you got a H-U-S T-L-E, you gotta hustle, baby, just like me. A bartender or a teacher or a television preacher, you just tryna make your ends meet. There may be a time when my name's in lights, won't stop there, you'll see. I'll be working till I'm dead, cause that's the way I'm bred. Hustle, baby, just like me. Go on now, work for it. gonna give it to you Yeah, it's it's funny for me. Um, I obviously, I mean, I haven't toured meaningfully um, in a while, and I, I'll kind of do one-off shows. And for the most part, it's sort of word of mouth, 
and things just kind of surprise me now and then like for instance mm-hmm. i'm playing um like doing five dates in alaska next week cool which uh is because i played a show you know in spring with this outfit called uh, parlor in the round is the name and they're kind of it's pretty uh would you like cabaret meets improv? Yeah, it's a pretty interesting little fun. setup. But they got a great um, following in Alaska, and the guy who does it, who's a genuinely musically talented person, um, asked me to come up and kind of anchor these shows. But I'll, I'm getting to play like Alice's Champagne Palace in Homer, which is a legendary place that like is look it? it up sometimes. Yeah. It's pretty cool. But anyway, so like That's once in a so while, cool. something comes along, and I'll do it, um, and I'm excited to do it, and it's it's like my well being my um my sense of self-worth isn't tied up into how many people have come out to the show anymore I you know. know yeah um and there's a you know there's something lost with that maybe too um but i think that what's gained is much more valuable um that in terms part of is really hard like the <clears throat> yeah. the um feeling of worth based upon ticket sales like is something that I think if I'm being honest with myself and like, you know, really honest about like what I want to do this next year, because we put this record out, we did like a Scandinavian tour, we did a show in London, and then we did like a month here. And then we basically like stopped. And it was really hard. Like it's hard to enjoy yourself in the space of playing music with your friends. And you're like, this should be amazing. Because in my brain, at least I'm thinking like, why are there more people here? What am I doing wrong? What is the problem? You know? And it's like, it's really hard on me emotionally to do that. It makes it not fun. And sure. And I can't like, you know, and, and I feel like that's something that we've, we've been doing that for so many years, like over 15 years. I mean, you know, whether it was in whiskey gentry or, or now, and sometimes I just am like, I don't, I don't know, Mm -hmm. you know, I don't know. I don't know how to like keep I and the thing that sucks is that I love to tour. I love touring. Mm-hmm. Like I would tour all the time if you could just get me out there in front of people. Like that's what I love to do. I love yeah. to play music in front of people. Yeah. But it can be really hard on your heart. Yes. You know. I totally share that. I love <clears throat> I think I'm a little bit different in that I love playing shows so much mm-hmm. and I feel absolutely myself in a way I don't. Yeah. At any other time, totally. Um, I, but I, 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 I like touring a little bit less, and yeah. I, maybe that's because I, I, there was when I moved to Nashville, I was like, all I have one goal, and that is to know what it's like to be sick of touring, because I couldn't yeah. imagine that yeah. being possible. Yeah. And it took about ten years yeah. and a lot of ridiculous gigs and some cool ones, right? Before I was just like, yeah, I'm a, I think I kind of know what that is now. Like I right. scratched that itch, been all around the world, had lots of adventures, played in China, played in Europe all of it great um and now it's like um there i don't mind being at home as much as i I used to listen i love being at home i truly do but like my thing is like i'll get done with the tour i'm like i I hate this i'm never going i'm just not touring anymore but then like a few months pass and then i get real itchy and i'm like i want to go somewhere the problem is, is that I think that when you're at the level that I'm at is that you have to tour so much and you mm-hmm. have to do so much that like, that's when it gets exhausting, you know, like, and, and you're going because I think, you know, you're being told or that maybe you think that you need to be playing Columbus, Ohio, there's a whatever. And then you go and it's like, 
I'm, I'm not singling out Columbus. I like Columbus, but like, sure. you know what I mean? Like do. it's, it's not like this in I, my ideal world. Like, yeah, if I were at a larger point in my career, like in a more successful point and like could go and do like a three week run, like on a bus. Yeah. Great. Sign me up. Mm-hmm. But like when you're in a 15 passenger van, that's got bad shocks and maybe like is, you know, it's got 300,000 miles on it and you're and trying to figure out great. your pre-sales aren't great. <laughs> you don't have any like hotel rooms figured out for your next stop, you know, like, and I don't have a tour manager. So mm-hmm. it's like everything that I do, I do myself, Jason and I do it together. So it's like just this added, you know, stress. So mm-hmm. yeah, when I come off the road, I'm like, I'm done. I'm not going back. And then I'm a, I'm a masochist. So then I'm like a few months past and I'm like, well, ready to <laughs> go see what's yeah, out there see, for me. Yeah. You this know. time. Right. But Maybe I mean, this time I'll show up to Bozeman, Ohio and there'll be or Bozeman, Ohio, Bozeman, Montana, and there'll be people there. I mean, my heart breaks for you. And also like I know it firsthand. And I also speculate that some aspect of that masochistic um, component is basic to the creative process in whatever yeah. genre you know um i was just at a film festival in new york this last weekend and there were lots of new york actors mm-hmm. and you could see the hunger in, yeah. the, in their eyes and you know like i think that life in the city is tough in the best of circumstances and so, um, but the, just the dreaming and the like working, the, the waiting or bartending and getting, you know, trying to be an actor on Broadway and getting that call going out for it's so hard. And mm-hmm. it's so, the longer you do it and the older you get, the, the crazier it seems. Yeah. And, um, you know, there's, there's always success stories, but I just feel like even if, even this is one thing I've noticed too, is that I've had some wins. You know, uh-huh. it's been great. That like that's part of what keeps you going. And like, okay, I'm not insane. Right. But then, you know, it's a year later, and you realize at some point, like, well, this whatever vi- version of this story I had in my head, it's actually not that. It's this. And as long as this is what I'm willing to do, and I'm getting enough out of this, then then there's no problem. And um, I love how you just said that. That is, uh, <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's so true. It's hard, though, to be accepting of that that is the reality of that, you know, like mm-hmm. and not what maybe what your expectation was or whatever, you know, and mm-hmm. to kind of live in that present and be like, oh, I am satisfied with this, mm-hmm. you know, like how this turned out or whatever. Because maybe that's the other thing is that we're always wanting something else to be. At least that's how I am. A hundred percent. And yeah. well, one of the things that um, the guests that I, the musical guests I like to have on the show and are the ones that I vibe with the strongest um, are this like singer songwriter types. Mm-hmm. And I've had other people on the show and it's been interesting to talk to them. And, and by other people, I mean like producers or um, I haven't actually had a writer who's just like a songwriter who writes mm-hmm. for other people yet, but I will. And I'll be interested to talk to them. And um but there's something about that that's kind of like a little bit more, it's once removed mm-hmm. and you're like, how can I help you make your thing? Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to do all, I'm going to rally all of my talents to bring them all to bear on your vision. And we're right. going to do this together. And at the end of the day, I'll probably, you're going to pay me and whatever happens with that is, you know, I can walk away. God from bless it. you. Like yeah. you're, you're, you do that. I'll walk away from it and get, but we too. poor folk, we sit there and write these songs <laughs> from our heart and our a weird ass perspective and like raise all this money against all hope. 
and bring a record to fruition and put it out in the world and then go tour and and then bear our souls night after night in front of people and it is just like talk about You're a recipe right for <laughs> but i mean i just start, like, I, my heart breaks and i have so much admiration and i'm one i mean i know what it is yeah. and it is just so incredibly difficult and yet it like comes back to that calling thing it's like okay. you can't imagine you know doing something else and yeah. even you know whatever you take side gigs or side jobs or to keep body and soul together but you're this is the thing that you are and yeah. i guess maybe i'm asking is there ever a time where you would like write songs for other people or just like write songs or um yeah. and not try to to make them lauren Morrow songs yeah. yeah no that's actually funny that you bring it up because that's kind of something that i've been um like shifting into like I did like a when I moved here the the idea of co-writing with people I was like no way mm -hmm. like I, this is my private situation I am not gonna write with other people who could make me I always thought I always think like people are gonna judge me or something you know mm -hmm. and it's like really not like that and and the Parker Kaysen who produced my record he wrote um most of the songs with me on the the record people talk mm -hmm. as well as Jason but Jason's my husband so I can be very vulnerable with him but it was scary at first you know to like write with parker and to do that um but now my goal is even even if i don't put out another record ever like to which i will like let's be honest but like to write with other people and to like and so i did a co-write with someone the other day and I thought that it went like for me, my experience, I don't know what this will ultimately happen with the song, but mm -hmm. for me, it was like a very gratifying experience mm -hmm. to be like, oh, I can sit here with this other human, be vulnerable about it. She needed something for her record. And I was like, perfect. And it like took the pressure off of me mm -hmm. to be like, oh no, this isn't my sound or I wouldn't say that or whatever. Mm -hmm. And could just help her, you know, form a song that mm -hmm. maybe she'll end up playing or maybe she won't doesn't mm -hmm. matter to me but mm -hmm. um yeah it was cool so i definitely feel like i could do that and yeah. i think it would still give me that creative outlet and truly like was liberating in a lot of sense to be like i don't have any ownership over it. like mm -hmm. i don't have to be thinking about where this is going to land on a record for me and not only that but there was not a sense of self-betrayal also yeah. which that was maybe what you were worried about or what we're all worried about when we yeah. think about like music row writers like writing right. the next kenny chesney hit right you're like no like i didn't at all like it was actually yeah. really because i was an english major and i love to write like i did creative writing a ton in my teens and early 20s and then like totally stopped just mm -hmm. stopped reading books stopped writing completely it was just like music only mm -hmm. and like now i've been reading a lot more and like just thinking about words more and it was really fun to to exercise that mm -hmm. you know and just be like oh what about that you know like ask someone like kind of you know like get in their brain for a minute feel yeah. like what do they need yeah and it not have to be me siphoning through my own brain trying to distill something out like they can be really hard for me sometimes. You yeah, know? So. Um, that's that's wonderful to hear that, and that it like feels encouraging to me. And I recognize some of that too. Um, writing, like even when I've written, co-written, it's been a minute since I have, but maybe a couple months. Um, most of the time, there's not a goal outside of it. Like in your case, it sounds like your friend needed a song, and so mm -hmm. it was like from the get-go, you went in knowing, like, hey, yeah, um, we're gonna. This is your song. 
Um, but in my co-writing experiences, most of the time it's pretty clear relatively quickly whose song this is going to be more Mm -hmm. suited Mm -hmm. for and, or maybe that's my perception of it and I'll sort of adjust accordingly. If I feel like, Oh, this is maybe I came up with the idea or this is kind of feeling that I'll maybe go to bat a little bit more for Mm -hmm. something for like an idea for an idea. Yeah. 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 Totally. Um, but if it's, it's going that way, I'm like, okay, you're, I'm going to let them lead and, and do that. Um, I, that's yeah. how it felt in this experience mm-hmm. where like I was like, well, maybe I wouldn't put that word there, but you know what? Like, let's do it. It's working for you. You know, it's working for you. Like yeah. that's, you know, and I can be such a control freak that it was a nice exercise and like, like surrendering to be like, well, that's not yours. Mm-hmm. Why does it matter? Like mm-hmm. put it, it, it does matter, but you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. Yeah. It doesn't matter quite as much. Yeah. Right. <laughs> in a sense, cause it's not you at the end of the right. day, that's going to be putting this out. And, um, pouring over every word that you picked do you, you know? think that you'll put another album out next or um or th- do you think you're going to move to singles more or what do you um do you have any insider information that you can share with me <laughs> on what i should do <laughs> no um <laughs> the answer is i have none um no i <clears throat> so i don't know i you know it's like we started recording this last record people talk in 2019 Mm -hmm. november of 2019 and it didn't come out until march of this year because it's my first solo record underneath my name full length and i was like well i just don't want to just like throw it out into the wind during the pandemic and not be able to tour on it not be able to properly like release it so like after getting that out and doing all this like there is a part of me that's like i'm not right like i'm not ready to do that again Mm -hmm. like right now because like it was so much money and it was you know just like a lot but then again being the masochist that i am i'm like well i gotta start writing another record like right now and so i got that brewing in my head like a ton of voice notes that i'm like i need to sit down and like kind of figure these out but really what i want to do is like i've been talking with my um friend about like I just want to like put out some music that I like love. Like what if I cover a Depeche Mode song? What if I just cover Loveful by the Cardigans and mm-hmm. release it, which is something we 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 were in Sweden, we played that every night. Like just like throwing stuff out into the ether because it's fun mm-hmm. for me mm-hmm. and doesn't feel like I still be creative and sing, which I love to do, but I don't have this like pressure of being like, well, here's your original work that you need to like put out for people to make sure that you're a legitimate artist or whatever you know just do something fun yeah and we can do that now because that's what we have access to like my husband recorded a christmas song last friday and it was out on all streaming stuff yesterday (laughs) so it's like you know like why not what's why not why not (laughs) yeah i um one of the things i realized a while back was that like nobody cares nobody (laughs) cares about you corb and um there's something really freeing about that. Yeah. It's like, you you know, I think we all have this instinct for like getting real manicure with everything right. that we do. What's my image lo- looking what's like? My yeah. What's my yeah. brand? And it's like no one even, they're just scrolling. People are half asleep. There's we're all just like overwhelmed with. So the, I feel like because nobody cares, just do whatever you do. What right. you want to do because and like put something out there and being like, I love this, this right yeah. here. I love it. You, maybe you guys love right. it. Maybe you guys will never hear it, but I love this right here. And then like, let it go. And isn't it funny? Cause I feel like that's <clears throat> when you truly are kind of making your best 
decisions is when you're being true to yourself to just be like, I love this. I don't care. Like, I mean, on on this record, there are people who still like message me on Facebook and they'll be like, I miss whiskey gentry. And I'm like, give it up. It's not coming back. I'm never yeah. doing that ever again, you know, because like yeah. there's, you know, the, the title track off of People Talk is like a dance song, you mm-hmm. know, but I wanted to do that. Yeah. I love that shit. Yeah. I grew up dancing to Bizarre Love Triangle on a speaker in Atlanta, Georgia when I was 18. Like, I want to dance. I want to do those things. I don't mm-hmm. care if you don't like it. Yeah. Bye. You I go. Don't care. I say. But yeah, like, so all that to say, though, I like, I do also love records. Like, I grew up like listening, you know, to albums from front to back, like, OK Computer, like, don't make me put that like that's the perfect sequence of a record in my mm. opinion you know or like octung baby whatever so yeah i do want to make another record one day that like is that piece of art statement. for me yeah. you know but again do i know if anyone's going to give a shit is anyone going to listen to it from front to back because i've spent a lot of time on sequencing like yeah probably not probably not i don't know i don't know <laughs> yeah um i feel like uh there's something about this when you get in when you turn professional or you move to nashville or you get involved you have music business people around you have a team um like they have you know their interests and that's not wrong but the second you start applying strategy to your creative process it's never a win really you might get a win maybe you'll have a breakthrough hit i don't know but it's that it's that that is the thing that paralyzes me most. If the whenever I apply strategy to what I'm doing, I like yeah. it paralyzes me. I think I do it badly. I think I I don't. I, I feel afraid. Mm-hmm. Whereas if I just go with my heart and what I want to do for whatever reason, then everything is kind of happening as it should. Yeah, you know, maybe the reception is whatever it is, but. Um, I, I live to fight another day instead right. of just cry myself to sleep. Right. <laughs> I know. Well, and it's like something within yourself that just doesn't feel true to you. And I mm. think that there are people that can live in that space, you know, and I mean, but I do feel like you have people who, you know, are wildly successful and they are, they are their own human. Say mm-hmm. what you will about Taylor Swift, but that girl writes from her heart and does what she does with her songs. And mm-hmm. it's worked out pretty good. You know, good. so it's yeah. like, you know, so I don't know. I, I feel like that's just kind of where I'm at right now. It's like, I don't have any like, you know, concept. I, I guess whenever I start writing, you know, my own songs again, I'll see what they all sound like together. But mm-hmm. I don't know. I look forward to that. I really want to make like an electro record. Maybe I'm just going to start an electro You're pretty band. young. I think there's a lot of music <laughs> left not. in you. Who knows? No, you are. <laughs> Uh, Lauren, I feel like we could just talk for hours. Yeah. Um, I'm so excited to meet you and you, and just hear what's in, going on inside. And, mm-hmm. and now that I have something to compliment um, the music that I hear when I l- listen to you well, on Spotify and stuff. Thank you for so. having me. This is super fun. It's so. really great. And um, yeah. well, before we go, could you play one more and play us out? Yeah, for sure. I, I can't wait. To. All right. I can hardly believe 
life's okay while you sleep. I can show myself out and collect all the crap I left at your house. I'm Podcast is produced by Corby Lanker and Kyle Noctegall in East Nashville, Tennessee. Our executive producer is Randa Newman. You can find full video of this and all past episodes by visiting morsecodepodcast.com.